Welcome to C3 Church Tugra. You're about to hear a great message from one of our guest speakers. Get ready to be inspired to live your best life. For those of you that don't know me, my name is Jillie, and this is my husband here, Andrew. Yeah, what a guy. And, um, and for those of you that don't know, we have four children, four children under 10. Life is busy for us. Life is, um, has very minimal quiet moments and, um, and there's lots of pulling and nagging and tugging. And, and so when we um, go on the rare date nights, we, we start with, hello, and then the other one goes, hello, <laughs> because who's got a big family, who's got a busy life? How many of you know how hard it is to connect? You know, and um, and so it's a bit of a joke that we do, but at the same time, it's we stop, we put our phones away, we look into each other's eyes, and we start the conversation with "hello." So, church, hello. <laughs> you can take a seat. I think it's so important for us to um, to be in the moment. You know, to not be. Um, not be so caught up with what's happening yesterday and what's happening tomorrow and, and that we don't stop and be in the moment. So God, right now, I just pray that, that you would just quieten all our thoughts about yesterday, that you would quieten all our thoughts about tomorrow, and that God, that we would just be in the moment, that we would be here right now so that we could hear exactly what you want to say to us, Lord. Let our ears be open, let our hearts be res- responsive, Lord. And let us just hear exactly what you want to say to us right now in this moment. In your precious name, amen. You know, when I think about that analogy, I also think about um, about our relationship with Jesus. You know, sometimes we can be on autopilot all the time and, um, and we don't stop and actually look him in the eyes and say, hello, Jesus. You know, sometimes we can be reading his word and taking it all in, but we don't stop and, and, and go, what do you want to say to me through this? You know, so it's important for us to be in the moment because the world is busy. Life is busy. There's so much going on. There's so much coming at us, but we need to be in the moment. Recently, I preached a message called We Are. Who remembers that? It was a little while ago. And, um, and the message that I preached called We Are was looking at the kingdom culture. So for those of you that don't understand what I'm meaning when I say kingdom culture, I'm meaning that the world has its own culture. The world has secular culture. The world has its own norms, its own standards. But God has his own standards. The word of God sets a whole new standard for us, a whole new normality for us. Where the world says that it's normal to be anxious, God is saying that it's normal to have peace. Where the world is saying that it's normal to have materialism, God is saying that it's normal to be selfless and to be content with only him. And so that is where we get kingdom culture opposed to secular culture. And we have to be carriers of kingdom culture. And not only carriers, but we have to remember that daily, daily, we come to him and renew our minds and set our focus afresh because the world is polluting us from every angle. Everywhere we are, we are being polluted. But we need to find 
our norm. We need to find our focus point, and that is in Jesus. That is in his word. And then we set the atmosphere. We set the trends. Okay, we're not affected by what's around us. We're not affected by who is saying this and, and, and what the, even the government is saying. But we are affected by what Jesus said is the standard. And so that was the message that I spoke on. If you've got your Bibles, would you just turn to John for me? And if you don't, you can open your phone and find this as well. Because I just want to highlight this. I'm not going to sit on this for very long, but I just want to highlight it. That between John 14 and John 17, we see passage after passage of themes. And what we see is in John 18, Jesus was arrested. And John 14, Jesus starts to speak to his disciples. Now we know that these are his last words, but his disciples don't know that these are his last words. And so when I spoke about the message of we are, we looked at the highlighted points that Jesus was focusing on. He said, there are so many things that I can tell you, but these things he highlights. So in my opinion, these passages between 14 and 17, we should be devouring them. We should be reading over every line because if Jesus thought it was so important for his last words to be this, then obviously he was setting a tone. Obviously he was emphasizing something. And so some of those, some of those themes are that he releases the Holy Spirit. Now we know that this Holy Spirit is a spirit of truth. He knew that we needed a spirit of truth because that our truth was going to be um, questioned on a daily basis. We needed his Holy Spirit. He emphasized the importance of church, and we see that in the vine and the branches passage. And he emphasized the importance of being planted in a church. He emphasized the point of rejection, and he warns about this, that they hated me, John 15, 25. They hated me without reason. If Jesus was hated with no reason because he is perfect, then of course we're going to be rejected, you know? He also gives them hope and he comforts them. But there are so many more points that that come out of these passages. So the reason I wanted you to open it is because I want you to remember that when you go home or when you have a moment this week to read over those and start to just let those sink in. Now, when I speak about the new covenant, I'm speaking about the covenant that's between us once Jesus died on the cross. So these, these cultures that we are to live by, this is his new covenant, okay? So for us to be above the world's culture, and we, you can listen back on podcast to that message in full, but for us to be above the world's culture, which as I said, is a daily, a daily battle. We need to understand the importance of part two, and now you can put it up, Jono, it's the importance of rest. And that is why this message is called Closed on Sunday, I'm not talking about a bakery. I'm not talking about a shop. I'm talking about us. <laughs> I'm not talking about glee. <laughs> if you've got your Bibles again, turn to Matthew 25. I think it's good to bring your Bibles and flick through because we, we need to be familiar with where the word of the Lord is. Matthew 25 speaks of the parable of the ten virgins. Who knows this parable? The ten virgins and the oil. I'm not going to read that passage out. I just wanted you to see where it was. But the parable of the ten um, virgins speaks about the oil. 
And it speaks about not having enough oil to run the race. So Jesus is encouraging us. He is warning us. He is saying, do not run out of oil. Do not grow weary in doing good. Do not grow tired of doing good. Have enough oil. So we need to keep the flame alive. We need to have the fresh oil of Jesus daily. Jesus knew this principle was key for us to live. He set this principle from the beginning through the creation story. We know that he worked six days and he rested on the seventh day. On the seventh day, he was not weary. He did not rest because he was weary. He rested because he was finished, right? So rest isn't just because we're tired. Rest doesn't come just because I'm feeling run down, so I must rest. No, the week is finished, so we must rest. We must find our empowerment. We must plug in, as I think you say all the time, Dad. Jesus showed us this through his life. So he was fully man and fully God. And when we look at his life, he gave himself to the people. He ate with the people. He walked with the people. He taught the people. Imagine the demand that was on his life. Imagine the pull on his life. He didn't find himself this lovely mansion and just seclude himself and just say, leave me now. I need to rejuvenate. Leave me. But he was with the people. Imagine them pulling on him. You know, John loved him and he must have just been like, you know when you have a child that touches you a lot because they're like physical touch? Exhibit A down the front here. Touch, touch, touch. And sometimes you just feel depleted, you know, you feel drained. And then you probably had one that was like just questioning you all the time, but why, but why, but why? And then you had the then you had, had the rebellious one that in the end betrays you. And you know this the whole time, but they're still with you and you still love them. And so he had all of these different personalities coming at him. <laughs> How did Jesus maintain this? And I love it how he just shows us so clearly in the word. He maintained this through what? Drawing away and praying. He drew away from the crowds. He drew away. He didn't slow down the world around him. He didn't say, guys, 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 I'm going to have to cut that part out because I can't maintain that. I need you all to slow down, which I often say at home. Everyone just talks slower and quieter because my head is pounding. You know, that's me. I say that all the time. But Jesus didn't say that. He didn't ask everyone to just, whoa, 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 back off. You know, how much can one man take? I'm carrying the weight of the world on my shoulders here, you know. In a few days, I've got to walk and be arrested and, and be nailed on a cross. Do you even understand what that feels like? That would be me if I was Jesus. (laughs) But he didn't slow. He drew his strength from God the Father. (laughs) What makes us think that we can get through life without drawing our strength from God the Father, you know? I think that we always think there that we have to cut something out to find, to avoid stress. We'll have to cut, slice that part out. And I do think it's quite funny, but often, (laughs) I'm going to go there. Often... It's church. I need, to, I need to stay home on Sunday. I'm just done. Too much. Life is just too busy. It's too full and I can't take it all. So Sundays, I'm now going to sit at home and I'm just going to rejuvenate. And it's often what we cut out. 
But Jesus is calling us to rise above. He's equipping us in these scriptures. He's equipping us with strength. He's equipping us with resilience, right? He's equipping us with fight. He's not giving us the pat on the back going, I'm going to protect you. You're going to be wrapped in cotton wool. The world is going to love you. Everyone will love what you say. He does the opposite. He like gets them ready. Like I imagine Eye of the Tiger sort of music going, come on guys, get it together. Come on, the world is going to hate you. There's going to be negativity. Yeah, sign me up. Woo! You know, but that's the truth. He was equipping us. He was equipping us. The world around us is never going to slow down. This is big. The world around us is never going to quieten. If anything, the world around us is going to get more complicated, more busier, more polluted. When the darkness gets darker, what does the light do? Let's look at Isaiah 60 verse 2. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the peoples. But the Lord rises upon you and his glory appears over you. I'm going to say it again. See, darkness covers the earth. Thick darkness is over the people. But the Lord rises upon you. The Lord rises within you and glory appears over you, right? So he's saying, yeah, it's only it's it's a real world out there, guys. It's a real world. Don't expect that. Oh, I've just got to get through. And I, I look. Hey, I say this all the time, Andrew. Always, you know. I've just got to get through this month, and then my life will slow down, and then I can catch my breath. But just, just got to get through this month. Just got to get through this month, you know. But guess what? That month never comes. That that rest never comes because it just, then there's another thing and then there's another thing and then there's Christmas and then there's Easter and then there's, you know, I think Coles and Woolies remind us every day of the stress of life and what we've, oh my gosh, I've got Christmas is coming. It's October and Christmas is coming, you know. I think, oh, we seriously, we have to slow down on the inside of us. The world is never going to slow down. There's, there's, we cannot make any more excuses. The world's culture is constantly coming at us. We can either be, we can either be overcome by it or what? We can be overcomers. We can either be overcome by the world's culture or we can be overcomers. What we become, if we, if we don't take this approach of rising above and letting God live within us and, you know, just making excuses all the time. We become ineffective Christians. We become Christians. We become beaten favorites. We become hypocrites. We become, I love what the analogy that you used, Andrew, about the five gospels and then the silence when you said, there are five gospels. And everyone's like, oh, there's really not. You know, (laughs) Josh is going, oh, Andrew, you should have finished college. (laughs) But he said, the fifth gospel is you. And sometimes that is the only gospel that people will ever read. Is that so confronting? They're watching. People are watching you. They're watching what you do in an instance. They're watching what you do when the, when the world's coming at you, when, when life is beating you up, you know, when, oh, whoa, oh, whoa, oh, whoa. They're watching you. They're watching what happens. 
we have to connect with God. And to do that, we have to stop. You can't connect with something when you're running. You know, it's like a relay, like, come on, go, 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 go. No, God says stop. He says rest. And when we do that, we become empowered. We start to change the environments that we're in. We're not affected by the environment, but we set the tone for our environments. How good is that? You know, we are supposed to be changers, not just in here where we all love each other, where we are placed in our work, in our universities, in the shopping center, in our schools. We are supposed to set the tone, right? Wherever we are. So let me ask you, where do we start our week? Do we start our week on a Monday or do we start our week on a Sunday? Do we start our week with rest? Do we start our week with reflection? So I want to encourage you with the power of the Sabbath. The Sabbath doesn't start and stop with a church service. Whoa. We are the church. This service isn't the church. This building is, we are the church, right? So when we come to church on a Sunday, we are encouraging one another. We are building one another up. Iron sharpens iron. We are bringing new people in so they can be encouraged and they can be spoken to. We're encountering the presence of God like we did this morning in worship. Thank you, Chrissy. A beautiful, thick presence of God. We are encountering change. We're being um, encouraged, but we're also being um, challenged, challenged to change. Because if there's anything I hate, it's circling around the same mountain year after year, not changing with the same problems. And we're just, like I said, beaten favorites. So how do, we, how do we have a Sabbath to the fullest? How do we find this place of rest? We come to church. We come with our families, might I add. Grab your families. Come together. Teach your children in the ways. Teach your youth in the ways. This is what we do. We do it together. We strengthen one another. On the way home, have conversations with your family about what did you get out of today? What did you feel about today? It's not a religious thing. You're training your family that this is something that we do together, that it's alive and it's well, and that we're doing this together. But then when you come home, what do you do with your Sabbath? What do you do with the rest of the day of the Sabbath? The Sabbath is supposed to be a full day of reflection, meditation, refreshment, empowerment, focus. It is the absence of work and it is rest. It is exactly what Jesus did when he went and drew from his strength, from his father. That is what the Sabbath is. Now, can you imagine if we applied the Sabbath in its fullest, every week to our life. What would your Monday look like? Would you be more focused? Would you be empowered for what tomorrow brings? Would you come in shining? Do you know that people say that they can actually visibly see the glory of God on people? You know, like what mum was saying last week about Jesus shining through dad's eyes. You know, it's a visible thing. When someone carries that peace, when someone carries, I'm not, Jesus was never in a rush. Did you ever hear him going, just hold on, I've got a 10 o'clock appointment to get Lazarus raised from the dead and then I've got to go over and and make water into wine. So just hold that thought. He just organically walked, performed miracles. He was never in a rush. But the world around him was chaos. He set the tone for his environment. In stillness and meditation, God brings so much to light. 
So I just want to clarify, I know the word meditation can sometimes trigger people because it's been portrayed in the wrong way. But true meditation is not emptying yourself, emptying your mind. It's filling yourself with God through scripture, through revelation, through his presence, through his fresh oil. Do you understand that? So it's not, we're not emptying ourselves. Think nothing. Think nothing and you will be empowered. No. We fill ourselves with God. We fill ourselves with his presence. We fill ourselves with his new oil, his fresh oil for today. We fill ourselves so that when we get to Monday, we are ready. For those of you that know, I'm a songwriter. And one of the key steps to songwriting is to stop and find stillness. See, stillness promotes creativity. When we stop and we don't try to do something, if I sit down and I try to write a song, there's just blockages and I'm thinking of other songs. But if we just spend like even 10 minutes of just being still with no agenda, no prayer points, just no agenda, just sitting, being still, it unlocks so much creativity in us. So that's a key step to songwriting. Our lives are cluttered and busy and fast, but we can choose to rise above the noise, above the chaos, not behaving according to our own feelings. So here are some practical thoughts around the Sabbath. So I love this because, you know, we hear an encouraging message, but for me, I like to apply every message to my life. So practical steps, like what Pastor Julie did for us last week, that is going to change me. Okay, hearing a nice message and going, oh, it just feels so good on the inside. I'm just going to go away feeling, oh. No, you need to apply what's being said on a Sunday to your life. So here we go. Here's some practical steps. Meditating on the Word. Now, Meditating on the Word, I've heard Pastor Phil Pringle preach on this. This is one of his key messages, and it's actually the first message that he preaches when you go to C3 College, and he preaches on Psalm 1, okay? The best way to meditate on the Word is really to pick one scripture and to just sit on it and sit on it and read it, let it sink in. What's God saying to me through that? What's the revelation here? How does that apply to my life? That's meditating on scripture. It's not a time of study. There's, there's different times, you know. It's not a time of study. It's not a time of, I've got to get through this Bible in a year, so I better do like, you know, two chapters today. And It's meditating. It's sitting on that scripture, letting it sink in, let God speak to us. That is something that we can practice on a Sunday. Quiet reflection time. So in the book, Emotionally Healthy Leader, one of the key steps is just to sit and reflect on Jesus. So not praying through our 10 points, not thinking about our to-do list, but just sitting and just reflecting on him. God, you're there. I see you. And then suddenly things start to change in your head. I'm telling you out of experience. I can be sitting there feeling like pretty dry, pretty dead, pretty, and I can sit there and I can just start going, oh yeah, you are there, aren't you? I see you. (laughs) You've got everything. I don't even need to read through my list because it's just embarrassing. (laughs) That is reflecting on Jesus. You might also want to reflect on the message and I encourage you to do this. So you hear a message in the morning, you hear a message in the Avo, whatever time it is, you might spend some time on that Sabbath then pulling out that message and reflecting on that. Okay, I've heard Pastor Julie speak this message, but what does this say to me? 
The other one is one with nature. We don't have to be too religious about all of this, okay? It's what works for you. What gets you into a space of rest? For me, one with nature, okay? It could be walking, just going for a walk, clearing your head. It could be going for a swim, just heading down to the beach, swimming. It could be writing poetry while sitting under a tree. I wrote that one for Jackie, who's not here. So someone tell her. (laughs) Do you know what I mean? You need to be creative with this space. It's not a religious act. It's not like, okay, tick, meditated on the word, tick, quiet time. It's find, work this into your day so that we're reflecting on him. And then I just wrote number four, quality time with your children, your spouse through meaningful conversations. It's amazing how many conversations in the week we can have with our children and with our spouse and they're just frivolous, you know, but meaningful conversations, sitting, connecting. Andrew is a pro at this. I just watch him. He is a pro. Sitting, Paris, what did you get out today? You know, she's only five. What can she say? I don't know. But she connects with him and he listens to her and he makes her feel important. That is important because family, quality time with family is important. So many issues stem from children because their father didn't listen to them, because their father was absent. You know, busy, 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 stop one moment. It could be five minutes. It could be 10 minutes. Just stop. That one moment could mean the world to your child for the rest of the week. Jesus is so practical. He doesn't give us these really out there goals. Have you noticed that? It's like he doesn't set us up for a fall. He doesn't go, I'm going to give you this set of new covenant cultures. They're going to be so hard. None of you are going to be able to achieve them. How mean is that? But he makes it so practical. He brings it down for us that we can all grab hold of this. We don't have to have condemnation through Christ because we are renewed and every day is Christ, right? So we are not slaves. He is not the master, but he has given us this unique, beautiful relationship with him that we can walk with him daily. Every day is a fresh new day. Are you hearing me? Every day is a fresh new day. So when I'm speaking this, I'm encouraging you. It's not a condemnation. It's not like I've been getting the Sabbath wrong my whole life. It's not that. It's an encouragement. It's a, this is how you survive life because it's hard, right? I was speaking to Garth and Jamie yesterday and I was sitting with my notes out and I literally go, I've got this message, but I I am not the person to bring this message. I live the busiest life in the world. You know, if if we've got a rate here, I'd be up in the running for the busiest life in the world. Um, But really, as this is speaking to me, this is when I prepare messages, it's often because God is speaking to me. So I come to you not as someone that's looking down at you going, I have this all worked out. I'm coming to you as a fellow family member in our church family. And I'm saying, we need to do this to survive this world because it's full on and it's chaotic and my life just seems to be busy and busy and busy and if you ask people you know when you say how are you busy how's your world tired weary (laughs) does anyone ever get a different response look to be honest I give those responses don't I Kate (laughs) how are you Jill did you have a good week no busy (laughs) 
Mrs. Negative here. Um, but it's true. It's, it's a busy world. And so we've got to stop waiting till it gets easier and it gets less busier. And then we'll be in the slipstream of his anointing. We need to find him amongst the chaos because the world is the chaos. But in us, we can find peace. So we need to rest. I want to read something out to you. It's called Closed on Sunday. I prepared this message not knowing that apparently Rich Wilkerson Jr. probably preached it much better, but he also prepared the same message last week. This was his notes. Closed on Sunday. We often forsake the important for the urgent. Overworked, we work more hours than any nation in the world. Tired, go to bed. Distracted, focus. We call it entertainment, but it can be called escapism. Anxious, sealer. Sabbath. If God thought it was important to rest, what makes us think it isn't? He didn't rest because he was tired, but because he was finished. If God thinks you're very good, stop criticizing his work. We serve a God who created the weekend. Work without rest is like music without rhythm. Rest brings productivity. Busy isn't working. working, Learn, no. You either stop or something is going to stop you. Isn't that powerful? Ephesians 6.12 says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this world's darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, take up the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you will be able to stand your ground, and having done everything to stand. The world is equipping us to be overcomers. Now, we've been going at this rate. Now I'm going to step it up, because listen to me. Rest comes from fight. We have to fight for rest. It's forced rest, okay? It's not, I'm feeling it. My list of things to do is ticked off. Now I'm ready to rest. No, rest. We must fight for it. We must run and not grow weary. It's not from backing down. No, it's from being doers of the word, not just hearers. It's from stillness, meditation, connection with the one, connection with the source of strength. He is our strength. God wants to be glorified in us. The testimony is not about how I did this on my own accord. The testimony is about Jesus doing it through me. When we read through every single story in the Old Testament, there is one common theme. And actually, when there was one battle in um, Kings with David, where they were outnumbered, like, sorry, opposite, they had more numbers than the enemy. Jesus said, God said, cut some of those numbers out because I won't get glory from that. You will get glory from that. No, take that away. I only want 300. But God, the enemy is hundreds of thousands. Yeah, I only need 300. That's all I need, right? So he's saying something in this. It's not about everything being perfect. It's not about us feeling like, okay, I'm feeling good. I'm ready to fight it all today. It's about us showing that through my weakness, he is strong. Through my brokenness, he made me whole. Through my disarray and my confusion and my chaos of my life, he makes it all clean again. He makes a way. Okay, that is what Jesus does for us. And he wants to show others that he gets the glory. That is our testimony. I loved what Pastor Julie was speaking about last week. Did everyone love that message? Was everyone pondering on that through the week like me? Did anyone else have a conversation with someone and then suddenly get hit like, oh, damn, I should be sharing a story. 
No, okay? No, you're all perfect. Well, I did, okay? (laughs) And it's good. It's good conviction. It's good for us to shake it up a bit sometimes. It's good for us to come out of the comfort zone and get us into a place where, guys, we have something. We know peace. We know truth. We have a loving Father that loves us. And it's not supposed to be just for us. His heart is bleeding for the people in our worlds, the people in our schools, the people that we're encountering every day. Sometimes they make it so obvious. Tell me, what is different about you? Oh, right. Yeah, okay. I guess there is something different about me. Um, well, I go to church on Sunday. That's what it is. No, for goodness sakes, you know, share your story. Now, I must say when mum shared her story last week and we took home um, those sheets, I felt a little bit, and Sonia and I had this conversation at the end of the service, but I felt a little bit down because for those of you that know my story and maybe, you know, put your hand up, maybe if, if this is you, I've been a Christian my whole life. I have known the love of God from the moment I opened my eyes. He has always been with me. So it's hard to understand what you haven't had when you have always had it, right? So I automatically dismiss that idea of testimony because, well, I don't have a testimony, you know? Like I grew up in a Christian family. My parents fought every battle that I needed to fight. And because of them, this is who I am. That's my testimony. But as Sonia and I were speaking, it was occurring to us both that actually our testimonies are that every day we stand up in these things that maybe we don't know. So I want to read something out to you. This is my testimony. My testimony is that darkness knocks on my door. Now, as I read this out, I know that there's people in this auditorium that are going to connect with my testimony. And this is going to be really brave, but I feel like, and I've got to be honest with you, every single one of these that I read out to you, we live in a spiritual world, right? You, every single one of these have, have knocked at my door. And you ask Andrew, I am, I am not super spirit. But every single one of these have knocked at my door. It's like the enemy just, he taunts and he just goes, you haven't overcome that. You haven't overcome that. So what I want you to do is I want you to, to encourage me as well, but I want to encourage you and stand together. And as I read out these, if this is something that has tormented you, that you battle with, because we battle not against flesh and blood, right? We know that. If this is something that you have to battle, I want you to stand with me. And I want it to be a sign that that's it, you know? Because like um, Jess or Evan, one of you were saying, can't remember which one, but every day we have to stand and we have to keep on standing, right? Things are coming at us. Worry is coming at us daily, but we have to keep on standing. Even if we've shut those doors, the enemy still likes to torment us. It still likes to creep in and say, whisper, you're still battling with that, you know, and it's still coming at us because the culture of the world is saying something completely different. So as we say these, I want you to rise up on the inside and I want you to stand with me. 
And I want you to declare that, yes, this is something that tries to overcome me. This is something that tries to come at me, but I'm standing saying that, no, every day I choose to say no. Every day I choose Jesus and I choose His rest and I choose His peace and I choose to be an overcomer. I choose not to be overcome by this. So, are you ready? This is my testimony. Jono, first screen. Darkness knocks on my door. Anxiety knocks on my door. This is my testimony. Stress knocks on my door. Busyness tries to overcome me. Fear tries to creep in. Materialism tries to intimidate me. FOMO makes me feel insignificant. Older people, FOMO means fear of missing out. It's a real thing. But my God has made me an overcomer. And how do I find my strength? How do I find my focus? How do I hear His voice of direction? How do I deflect the darkness? I rest in Him. In Him. I rest in Him. Colossians 1.16 For in Him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him and for Him. This is not a battle against flesh and blood. Jesus, we lift up our eyes to You right now. Come on, church. Would You lift up Your eyes with me right now? Jesus, the culture of the world is coming at me. Now, the reason I say knocks on my door because I don't feel overcome by these things, but it sure tries to knock on my door. Just standing here right now in the middle of what's going on in my life, is a darn miracle. And I know that that is the story for most people in this room. We need to be in rest with God. We need to find focus in Him. And the only way to do that is to stop. The only way to do that is to plug into His source of power, His source of connection, for Him to speak to us, not as people who are finished, not as people who are perfect, not as people who have worked everything out, but as overcomers. Every day I'm overcoming something. Every day I'm teaching my children to overcome. Every day I'm saying to the people in my world, hey, you know how you have anxiety? I have it too. But do you know what I have? I don't have medication. I have the source of peace. And that comes from Jesus. Jesus, you are the source of peace. Come on. Jesus, you are the source of peace. Right now, Lord God, in this room, right now in this room, Jesus, let us not be ineffective Christians. Let us not be people that are just being pushed to and fro from the world, Lord, and from the torment of the world. But let us stand up in you. Let Jesus stand up on the inside of you. And every day, let us walk. Let us walk. Let us walk as overcomers, as overcomers. Come on, I want you to think about that one thing, that one thing that just keeps knocking at your door, that one thing that just keeps tormenting you. And I want you not to shrink back, not for you to listen to the deceitful lies of the enemy, but for you to find a scripture to stand on and say, for in Him, all things were created. 
whether through the thrones or powers or rulers or authority, all things have been created through Him and for Him. Colossians 1.16, Jesus, that is what I'm standing on. That is my scripture for today. I meditate on Your Word in Your precious name. Thank You, Lord. Thank You, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Just just stand with me, Jesus, Jesus. We thank you that you are here, Lord. Oh, thank you, Jesus. I love a book called God's Eye View. It was written by Tommy Teeny quite a few, like in the 90s, God's Eye View. And I often have to picture this in my own head. I often have to see myself rising above situations that are in my life, rising above whispers that are in my life and I have to see what does God see what is his eye view because when I think about my insignificant problems I'm sure he's thinking Jill just stop I got it just stop right so sometimes we need to visually imagine these so that we can lift up above you notice I say lift your eyes lift your eyes it's something we often say in worship and that is because your help doesn't come from your feet it doesn't come from moping around saying the world has got me I'm overcome your help comes from looking up so look up lift you lift your eyes with me and look up that is where your help comes from Jesus Jesus you are here There may be some people in this room that don't know what it is like to have relationship with Jesus. And so in a few moments, we're going to read this prayer together. We're going to say it aloud together. We're going to declare it. I love to declare the salvation message over my life. If we believe and if we confess our sins, we are one with Christ. He can come into our lives. We can have relationship with Jesus. We can tap into this source of power that I'm speaking about. We can tap into this source of peace that I'm speaking about. So right now, church, if everyone could stand with me and we're going to say this prayer together. Jono, if you can put that up. I'm not going to say it and then you repeat it. We're just going to say it together. Oh, it is up. It's just not up there. All right, ready? God, I believe in you. I believe in your son, Jesus. I believe He died on the cross for my sins. I ask for forgiveness. Would you make me clean? Would you restore and heal my heart? My past is washed away. I embrace my new life in you, Jesus. Open my eyes so I may see you. Open my ears that I may hear you. I receive your Holy Spirit to be the Spirit of truth to guide me. I am loved and I have a hope in you, Lord Jesus. Amen. Come on. Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, that you are here, Lord God. Thank you that you give us hope, that you wash us with love, that you are here for us no matter what state we're in, Jesus. You are here for us. Thank you, God. If that was the first time that you've prayed that, I would love it that when we finish this service, there is a prayer team that comes up the front. I'd love it if you'd come up, connect with that person. They'd love to give you a Bible. They'd love to give you a gift. And they'd love to pray with you. Isn't it incredible, the gift that Jesus gives us? It's something that changes us forever on the inside out.
It's beautiful. Thank you, God. Well, right now, Lord God, we just thank you for this message. We thank you that, God, you are changing our hearts, that you are standing up on the inside of us. That, God, I just pray that this message would go in, that it would be heard, Lord God, that it would be absorbed, that it would be meditated on, Lord God, and that we would receive this fight, this tenacity to go after your heart, Lord God, to stand up for our families, to stand up for the promises that you've given us, Jesus. In your precious name, we say amen, amen. Thank you, Lord God. We just lift up this song one more time. We hope you enjoyed listening to this message. For more information on what you've just heard or how to visit us, go to c3telgra.org.au. We hope to see you at church soon.